Can you hear me now? I can hear you. Bam, 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 bada, bam. What is that? What? I was I was hitting hitting stuff like. Oh, I thought drum. that was a that was a tune. That's a, that was too confident for you to just have it off the top of your head. No, it's the Skype call. Bam, 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 bada, bam. No, it's like do, not, do, do, it? do, do, do. What are you doing? That's not the Skype dun, call. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, that's it not absolutely what you were doing. does. Are you out of your fucking mind? You have a different Skype tune in Ireland? I was going to say Irish. In Ireland? Yeah, it's in Irish. It's a Gaelic song. Yeah, it's played on a Boron. And you're going to clip this and be a dick and then make me look like an idiot. That's what you're going to do. No, I'm not going to stop talking. I'm going to talk until the speed catches up and you can hear me. This is not okay. You can't lie about what the Skype tune is and then say, and then clip it. And then I look like the asshole because you got it wrong. That's not how we're going to do this. I got it right. It goes, bum, 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 bada, bum. That's how it ends. Yeah, I'm waving my hands because the video's cutting out again. I don't care. Welcome to the Hot Take Route. I'm Zach Harper. He is Kian Fahi. It's the Interceptable Pod Drag. What else are we calling this? Toe Tap Tuesday? Uh, Whiteout Wednesday? Wiretap Wednesday? No, why would it be Wiretap? Wildcat Wednesday! <laughs> Wiretap? Who are we wiretapping? <laughs> we Wildcat podcast? Wednesday. It's Wildcat Wednesday on the Interceptable Podcast brought to you by Hot Take Route, also known as the... Uh, the Interceptable Pod Drag. I'm Zach Harper. That's Kian Fahey. We're talking NFL, both past and present, but in future, because we're picking games. That's a good intro. That's a good intro. There's good energy. We now have more names for this podcast. Yeah, than we we're kind of like the Khaleesi of, of podcasts. We just have a lot of nicknames that we give ourselves. I don't know what that is. Khaleesi? Game of, Thro- Game of, Game of Thrones? No, I'm one of the few people in the whole world who's avoided watching Game of Thrones, and I'm sticking to it now. Even though it's probably wrong to do it, I'm just doing it to just be that guy. Because I can go to parties, they can make these references, and I can sit there and judge people. It's a, it's just, it's a lot of characters to keep track of. I don't know the, I don't know the names of most of the people. I know like four characters by name, and that's it. And two of them are dragons. Kill them every other episode too, so that's kind of like kill a bunch of people. People come back. Like there's magic. There's a lot of incest. All I mean, well, hold on. Any incest is too much incest, but it's an unhealthy amount of incest. What's <laughs> a healthy amount of incest? Way too much. Okay, yeah, it, Which it again is any amount of incest. <laughs> <laughs> Once it gets closer and your cousin, it's just weird. <laughs> Wait, what? Once it gets closer than your cousin, that's what you're saying. Oh no! What? You live on a farm in Ireland? No, you should always live close to them because, like, actually, I went to school. I went to school with like ninety or hundred other people in my year, and I would guess forty of them were farmers. And you get some characters from because they go out beforehand, like and work the farm before they come to school at nine o'clock in the morning. So they're fucking weird, and they're just weirdos in general, anyway. So they're, they're mad crack, great people to go drinking with. But outside of that, eh, kind of avoid them. Like you at a fucking like NYC uh, meetup that you had this weekend, the Counter Things Live Show. Tell the people about it. Man, I've been I've been getting pictures sent to me. I do not remember taking. I mean, I don't remember taking them at all. At least you got recognized and had to meet famous people and all that enjoyment. Well, I got to do a little bit something similar in Germany with my suit. Oh, God, this stupid-ass suit. You tagged me in the photo. Like, come on. That, no one liked it, right? You got shamed for it. Do you know what the funny thing about it is? Do you know who liked it? Americans. Every single one wanted to stop and take a picture with it. Of course we These are did. your people. Oh I know. We're the dumbest. <laughs> Well, I did have, so, 
There are some stories from the weekend I can't tell on her. But uh, one of the weirdest things, and maybe it's me being my sheltered upbringing and cousin kissing Ireland. So we were sat at one of the tables and we were there all day. And about six hours into it, the table next to us, like, full-on fucking Scarface, just... Not, not, not bring out a little bit. Brings out a, a proper brick of cocaine, puts it on the table, cuts it up, and starts fucking snorting it. And I'm sat there going, "Is this normal? Is this what people do? Am I behind? Am I out of the times?" And they're literally the- sat there in front of like a thousand people around us. The waitress is coming over, just serving him, watching him do it. It's like, ah, fair enough, keeps going. And I'm just sat there going, "What's going on?" <laughs> So either I'm weird or that was weird. I don't know. It was probably me that's out of touch. Well, it sounds like we both remember about as much of the weekend as we can. Well, I remember more than you, but it sounds of it. Yeah, I mean, people were telling me stuff that happened. I had no idea. Like, just no, like, it's not even like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember. Like, no idea. I don't feel like I was blackout drunk. Well, here's the other thing. I clearly, I clearly was, but I, I don't remember. Like, I don't remember feeling out of control. But here's the other thing: you were in a room where everyone knew you, and you didn't know everyone, and that means everyone had eyes on you at all times. I was just, I was kicking it with like, uh, with Leslie and with Sarah, the pharmacist, and uh, and then Amin would just come over and 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 sing into the mic and everything. But it was like, I, I kind of in these situations, Jade's, go, Jade's going up to everybody. He's shaking hands. He's kissing babies, all that stuff. Uh, whereas I, I just post in one area and kind of let people come to me because I have no social skills. And because you're the celebrity. Celebrity is an interesting word to use there. Yeah. <laughs> like we have a real loose definition. Especially considering the pictures of the people who are actual celebrities I saw there. Right. Right. Bomani, Pablo, Taylor Rook. Yeah, just those right. guys. Those are actual celebrities. No one recognizes them. Yeah. They don't do puns. Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right. Let's get into some games, Kian. Great idea. Thursday night. So we're recording on a Wednesday. Tomorrow night. The Philadelphia Eagles are going against the New York football Giants. The Philadelphia Eagles are two and a half point favorites. What have you seen from both these teams? How about Odell Beckham Jr., both quarterback and receiver? By the way, should we tell people that we've changed uh, the whole format of this podcast that we're trying to do right now? Or should we just do it and let's see if they notice? There's no way they'd notice, right? Probably they are, but some of us, some, some of these people pay close attention because I know this because when I get things wrong, they like to remind me and tell me. So um, what we've done, what we've done, we've taken, uh, we've taken two mediocre podcast days and we've combined them into an average podcast day. So that's what we're doing. We're taking the two episodes and we're just making it one episode on one day. Mediocre seems generous. The <laughs> Eagles Giants game. Um, look, you got uh, an Eagles team that has not played to the potential we expected them to play it to. The interesting thing about this is, like, okay, you got Nick Foles for the first two games of the season. We kind of just wanted to survive that. You want to set the table for the rest of the season once Carson Wentz comes back. That was the idea, at least. Foles was terrible through the first two games. They lost in, in Tampa Bay because of that. They won against the Falcons in Week 1 because Matt Ryan managed to be worse somehow. He was fucking awful in Week 1. Since then, Carson Wentz has come in and been... He's, he's largely been the same to what he, that he was last year, but... His numbers actually are pretty good, but the offense hasn't been as good because their pieces around him have dropped off the way you expect them to. The biggest right. issue for them so far has been Lane Johnson at right tackle, Jason Peters at left tackle, and the left guard situation. They dropped Stefan Wisniewski this week. They replaced him with Isaac Simeolo. It wasn't really much of an upgrade, but the offensive line as a whole last year used to just stonewall defensive lines. and It used to pry open running lanes, and it used to just dominate, and it set everything up to work as the, like the machine that it worked for it was just blowing people away 
blowing people out by 30 and 40 points and the quarterback couldn't be touched and had loads of space to work in. That hasn't been the case for Wentz this, so far this year. He's made a couple of good plays. He's made some... He, he's been his typical inconsistent with his accuracy. He's Yeah, he, I, he doesn't look that good to me. Yeah, he's and so, I know he's coming back from injury and everything. There's a rhythm, but I, he just doesn't look that good to me. Well, here's the thing with Wentz. Wentz is, had a great year last year, but he did so in completely clean pockets for the most part. He did so with these schemes where Doug Peterson is pulling guys up. And one of the plays I like to point to from last year is uh, an Alshon Jeffrey deep throw down the left side line. Actually, it was against the Giants. This is coincidental, though. I'm not talking about it because of this matchup. Where Wentz gets back in the pocket. Wentz has, uh, has, has time, space, holds the ball, holds the ball, holds the ball. He holds the ball to the point that the Eagles are running a vertical route on the outside with Jeffrey, and they're running a post route from the inside with, with Ertz. So what's that, what that does is... It puts the safety in a position where he's got two guys to cover. Normally, you don't get enough time in the pocket to wait for the safety to make his decision. You've got to anticipate it based on where he's established initially. Wentz, last year, throughout the whole season, had the ability to stand and wait and wait and wait and wait for everything to come open. And then he could, and then he was able... <laughs> you had to do that that way just to annoy me, didn't you? And then he had a, 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 then he had a chance to... He didn't have to show anticipation. He didn't have to manage a, a difficult pocket or, or throw the ball with someone at his feet. He was able, like, for anyone who's at home wondering what's going on, Zach is eating things and he's trying to do it seductively, I think. Uh, <laughs> and, and anyway, Jeffrey's running wide open down the left sideline. Wentz heaves the ball wide open over his receiver's head. So he had a decent accuracy percentage last year, but he was doing it in really, really favourable circumstances. So far this year, he hasn't had those favourable circumstances. And that was repeatedly highlighted against this Vikings defence. That's a really good defence. The big issue they have, obviously, Lane Johnson just mentioned, in pass protection, like Lane Johnson is generally considered the best right tackle in football. He was paid to be, move over to be the left tackle eventually, but they're keeping him on the right side now because they realize how valuable both sides are. He was getting whooped by, by Stephen Weatherly. Stephen Weatherly is an athletic defensive lineman who Mike Zimmer likes. They liked him enough to cut Brian Robeson, their veteran backup, entering the season, but he's still a backup defensive end. He, he's only playing because Everson Griffin is still absent from the team. Daniel Hunter moves to the right side, Weatherly comes in on the left side, and he repeatedly beat Lane Johnson across his face to move inside. He got one sack off where he forced the fumble that led to a touchdown, he got another big pressure later on, and they had a couple of other sacks. So, we're at a point now where Wentz has to elevate his offensive line and make his offensive line better. And he, he, you'll, you'll get these highlights from last year where he does these crazy athletic plays. That's not really what we're talking about. What we're talking about is little subtle movements in the pockets, in condensed pockets from tight spaces where he's hitting timing and sustaining the timing of the play even when there's pressure and even when there's not space to function in. That's what the best quarterbacks in football do. He so far, actually, the, the kind of thing to notice this stat-wise is Wentz averaged two sacks per game last year. I think it was 28 and 13 games or whatever it is. This So far this year, he's had four per game. They have 12 and three games for him. So that's a huge change. Can you, like, how do you deal with, like, everything you just said in terms of him being, a, you know, kind of better in the pocket and having those clean pockets versus you uh, being a hater? I mean, I can be a hater, but that doesn't I've mean heard from Eagles, I've heard from Eagles fans that you're just a Wentz hater and you're wrong about him and all this stuff. Well, I, I hate a lot of people, okay? That doesn't mean I'm wrong about a lot of people. Some um, some you podcast with. Yeah, well, right now, <laughs> it varies. But right it's because I ate a donut. I ate a piece of donut. Like, look, this is a like, delicious cinnamon roll. I didn't eat it seductively. Now, if I happen to eat seductively, is that on me? Or is that just a natural charm I have? Is that what I don't you know. is that what you do at the bar at these parties where you just you, you stand up against the edge and you just give me some chicken wings and you start nibbling on the chicken wings? Oh man, just like yeah, you know, just so seductively, just hey, ladies, 
Just you know what it is. <laughs> you know what it is. Uh, who? Do you, what about? Let's talk about the Giants like briefly. Um, so they're they're a little more competitive than I thought they would be, but their line sucks, and you know there's the whole Eli Odell thing right now. Like what? Like they're one and four. How how bad is it? It's not that bad. Like they've had the toughest schedule I think of anyone so far. They I, think put, I think they've handled it, despite being one and four. They've handled it pretty well. Yeah, they've like okay. The I think the the game against the Panthers kind of sums where they've been to this point, or sums up where they've been. Eli was really really accurate in that game. Really really really. Uh, he hit I think twenty two of thirty one. He hit a couple of big deep plays. He had a deep plays like a long touchdown to Beckham, a thirty three yard touchdown. Then he hit another one to Russell Shepard that set up a Saquon Barkley touchdown. And he was really accurate throughout. But he also had these massively negative plays. He had four interceptable passes. Three of them were bad decisions. One was terrible accuracy. And he also had a couple of times where he's in the pocket where he kind of felt ghosts and it was jittery. The thing with Eli is he has a level of physical ability that is just diminishing constantly. And when he was in his prime, he played in that Kevin Gilbert offense to force him to play under pressure all the time. And he's one of the better quarterbacks at standing in there and delivering the ball against pressure. But now that he's older, he gives up on plays too quickly and he falls backwards as he's releasing the ball. And it's leading to too many of these negative plays and it's going to cap Old their people season. get scared. Old yeah. people get scared. I mean, you don't even have to be old to be scared. <laughs> these freaks coming after you, like, because it's Fletcher Cox trying to murder you. But they, I also think that this whole giant season is being framed by the analytical people who want to... I'm not talking about everyone. I'm talking about the vocal people on Twitter who want to spend every two minutes complaining about the Giants taking a running back in the first round, which is fine. If you think they shouldn't have taken a running back, that's fine. But don't yeah. don't keep going on about how Eli, you can't uh, pick Eli over Sam Darnold because that's not really the decision that gets made there. What the decision that gets made there is how good is Sam Darnold, how good is Josh Rosen, whoever else, Josh Allen and, and Lamar Jackson obviously wasn't going to go that high. But the, the question there isn't about Eli. They know Eli isn't going to be their long-term answer. He's 37 years of age. The question there was, do we believe Darnold or Rosen are the long-term answers? And with a new regime, they obviously looked at these quarterbacks and thought, not really. We don't, we don't want to right, which, I, which I think is fine, right? Like yeah. it was a, It's a good class of quarterbacks, or at least a, a promising class of quarterbacks, right? Like you can look at those guys and be like, you know, a couple of these guys may hit and may be the future top 10 quarterbacks of the league, right? But it doesn't mean that you have to go, all right, then we have to get that guy if you believe someone a year, two years from now is actually the guy you want. Well, interestingly, like Eric Flowers, they just called Eric Flowers and... So the first part of this, with Eric Flowers, for a long time, Ben McAdoo wouldn't even bench him. He left him in the offense, and it completely shut down everything they did, because Eric Flowers was one of the worst. Him and TJ Clemmings were the worst t- tackles in the NFL, and they were so bad that they handicap- handicapped the whole offense. So Clemmings, or not Clemmings, uh, Flowers got benched earlier this year, and then he got cut this week. That shows you that Pat Shermer's actually making an effort to change things and making an effort to improve things. Second part of that. They chose Eric Flowers one spot ahead of Todd Gurley. The reason they did that, tackles are more valuable than running backs. Who would you want right now, Todd Gurley or Eric Flowers? I mean, and it's not even just that simple. It's the point of running backs do have a lot of value when they're set up properly, and Barkley will eventually be set up properly because Pat Shermer's a a smart offensive coordinator and offensive coach. But for this year, it does kind of feel like the Giants are destined to be six, seven, eight-win teams, and they'll probably just spend the season, like, like this Thursday night game, I feel like they can probably beat the Eagles, even though it doesn't matter to them. So they'll probably just spend the season annoying other teams because they'll win these games right. and do nothing for them against good teams and then go out and lose to bad teams. By the way, when you asked me that question about Todd Gurley, uh, I did the brilliant podcasting thing of just nodding because we're on video together, not yeah. remembering that this is also an audio podcast. So 
I was uh, I was agreeing with your point that you were making with a rhetorical question. Uh, I got the Eagles. I think the Eagles win this game. I don't feel ter- terribly confident in them, and I do like the way the Giants have handled a lot. But I'll, I'm just going to go with the Eagles because I, they are the better team. Uh, we didn't give the spread for this, which is 2.5 points for in favor of I said that at the beginning! Did you? I did not hear you. I don't like oh to my god. You. You Oh, my talking, god. Uh, oh, right, my Luke, god. All right, look, it's been a long this week. This is untenable. Untenable situation. (laughs) Um, I'm going to take a plus 2.5 with the Giants because they're home on a Thursday night and I like picking home teams on Thursday nights. Okay. Next game, Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off a bye week, right? No, they had the bye week two. Wait, when did they have the bye week? Two weeks ago? All right. I'm just going to let you die on that hill for a little more. They had the bye week last week. They are two and two. Two and two. They're at the Atlanta Falcons, who are three-and-a-half-point favorites. I don't like either of these teams. I'll pick the Falcons, I guess, because they're at home. But, I I mean, I'm done with both these teams. Yeah, I think we're expecting Jameis Winston to start again, I think. I, Ooh, may have that. I don't I have, like that. I haven't actually checked that, so I might be making that up. But uh, regardless, if it's Jim, if it's Winston or if, it, or sorry, if it's Patrick, I, it just looks weird because you're pulling it in from the side as if you're like, oh, he's eating again. <laughs> so Jameis, Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick, it doesn't really matter. I think Fitzpatrick will. will I think Winston, let, let's just pick this game and move on because I'm flustered. I'll be taking the Falcons by the straight off. All right, cool. <laughs> the uh, the Buffalo Bills are at the Houston Texans. Texans are seven and a half point favorites. It's amazing how the Bills have won a couple of these games this year with like just god awful quarterback play and teams just shooting themselves in the foot. So the Bills beat the Titans and they did so by scoring a touchdown early in the game and then doing pretty much nothing after that. And they scored that touchdown because Taylor Taylor had a fumble on the edge of Bills territory on the edge of Titans territory it was at the 45 or the 46 that led to Allen rushing in a touchdown from a long way out after a bootleg play action then Mariotta throws an interception in quarter two when Nick Williams doesn't run the right route he later had a big drop and then he gets cut this week Deion Lewis has a fumble at midfield and that's in the third quarter so this game was like hey the Bills won but the Titans were kept shooting themselves in the foot and the Titans kept beating themselves basically which is something they've kind of got a, a bit of a penchant for doing I think it's it's I feel like this team is going to be good and I think they're going to get better as they go along because they're going to grow out of those mistakes as the season goes on. But from the Bills' point of view, I, I don't think the Texans are good. And I think the Texans beat the Cowboys, but that's because the Cowboys aren't good either. So I actually right. I actually am at a point where, like, if I look at these two teams, I think, all right, the Texans have a slightly better quarterback. They have a better quarterback. They've got better weapons on offense. But I think the Bills' defense is pretty damn good. And I think it's 7.5 points. Got to take the Bills. That's a lot of points for a shitty Texans team. It's probably because it's there at home and Josh Allen, everyone knows, is actually pretty bad. So that's probably it. And I feel like people are still kind of anticipating Deshaun Watson's going to get a lot better, which is probably right. fair. Like, he, he's coming off an ACL he's got, he's got weapons, too, right? Like, yeah. he's, I mean, being able to throw to Hopkins and Fuller, like, that's that's going to help him a lot. And this Kutri guy, who I haven't watched closely, but a lot of people are really uh, excited about him. I do think it's probably fair for people to say, oh, Deshaun Watson's going to get better as the season goes on because of his coming back from the ACL tear. I'm just probably not one of those people because I didn't think he was that good last year. So I would guess that explains the 7.5 lane. I'll go Texans, but I don't like it. Also, we should, before we move on, because one of the things, I don't know if we've talked this last week, I might have, but one of the things uh, entering the season, I expected JJ Watt to be terrible this year. Not just not good, but terrible because of how his body's been destroyed. Like, two years ago, awful back injury. Last year, lower limb injury. And 
you kind of expected all that explosiveness to go. He's kind of looking a little bit like Gronk right now, where he's a little bit more rigid than he has been in previous years. But his explosiveness is still there, and he's still getting it done. And that's that's something I am kind of shocked by, and it's kind of it's really impressive. You know, I almost did this this podcast since we're on video. I almost did it with no shirt this week. I mean, you've been threatening to do that for a while. I thought I really thought about it, and I just remembered it now as I was looking at myself while you were talking in this window. <laughs> I'm glad, to know, I'm glad to know I'm holding your attention. Just thought I would punctuate that point you made with that. Uh, the I'm Chicago Bears. <laughs> the Chicago Bears. I can eat seductively. I can take a shirt off. Like, who knows what's going to happen? You can get high on stage and forget you were even there. Jesus. You're, you're, what is it, a 5 player? I mean, I had a big-ass cup of scotch, too. Like, a like cup, hold on, a it, cup of scotch. So, so they... <laughs> So they were, they had like these plastic cups that are about that big, right? It's like that big. And so they served, I, you know, ordered a scotch neat. They serve it to me, whatever. Uh, Tom Haversho's brother and his friend are like, hey, we're going to get you a drink. What do you drink? I said, oh, I'm having a, you know, McAllen's. They're like, okay, cool. Uh, so they come back with one of those cups full. Like it is full to the brim of scotch. And like, yeah, we ordered a double and they just kept pouring. And so I, the rest of the night, I was just drinking this gigantic, well, not gigantic cup, but for scotch, like that's like it's like eight fingers of scotch. It's a lot. I love that one of us on this podcast has a reputation for alcoholism, and it's not the person who is drinking a cup of scotch. Chicago Bears at your Miami Dolphins, who are just shitting themselves right now. The Bears are two and a half point favorites on the road. Yeah, the Dolphins kind of blew that game against the Bengals on the road. I like you're gonna get mad at this because you're just like getting mad at this. But like they lost to the Patriots, they lost to the Bengals. That are the two of the best teams in the league. Well, not the two of the best teams. They don't. The Patriots are quite there right now, but they are in that division with that team, which generally gives you an edge. I don't think this is a, a disaster line for them. I don't think they're gonna fall apart completely. Uh, they're two two point five point favorites. That's probably telling you that they that people expect the Bears to win this game, and you should probably take the Bears side of this. The Bears, I, I just like all right. Everyone's kind of in on Mitch Trubisky now because he had six touch, touchdowns and five and one half two weeks ago. Right. But like, as someone who was a big supporter of Mitch Trubisky coming into the season, we can't take his whole season to this point and say, "Oh, we're going to get that every week." And I feel like his inconsistency until I see it over two, three, or four games and it's gone completely. I'm not going to buy into it that much. I think the, the Dolphins are at a point now where if they go to three and three after starting after being three and one, they're going to have or it was a three and zero oh even they're going to have yeah. some major major issues. So this kind of feels like a bigger game for them than it does for the Bears. The Bears are on the road coming out of ooh actually something to think about. Andy Reid phenomenal out of uh, bye weeks, phenomenal in week one of every season because he gets all the time for it. yeah. Go fuck yourself, because uh, he gets all that time to. I'm just. Uh, I'm waiting for the. I'm waiting for the hammer to drop. Because <laughs> he gets all that time to uh, develop or to prepare his teams. Sure. Matt Nagy being all straight from the Andy Reid coaching tree, will that play out the same way? Will he have an extra couple of weeks? I guess the argument against that is in week one, his team came in, had a phenomenal starting first drive, and then shit to bed after that. So maybe it does work, maybe it doesn't work similar way, but it's something to look for because Andy Reid has been so, so consistent coming out of bye weeks, coming out of the first week of the season that it will, like I haven't checked it with Doug Peterson, but it's actually something I should probably look at more. Um, big news on this game too. Mitch Trubisky is uh, keeping the arm sleeve. He so wore an arm sleeve? I- yeah, so I got Bears minus, minus two and a half. I think that's easy money. He's going to shoot more three-pointers? Yeah, shoot more threes. Who you got? Who you got in this? 
Uh, I think it's going to be the close. Dolphins. Pick, pick the Dolphins, you coward. I think it's going to be your cl- beloved Dolphins who are just shitting themselves left and right like a kid who's in daycare for the first day and doesn't know what to do. I'm taking the Dolphins, and I think it's going to be a close game, but I'm not confident. Oh, God. By the way, we should talk, we should talk, by the way, we should talk about this before we move past the early games. I got literally every single game wrong in the early slate last week. Did you? Literally that every that single I game. That was, I figured that was my picks that you You said. are too far behind. Yeah, I, I didn't do well last week. I think but, I got like six games right total. The amazing thing about it is I checked the standings. I'm still second. <laughs> Our group's really good. <laughs> Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals are two and a half point favorites. I think the Bengals are the better team. I, they're playing much better football. This feels like a game the Steelers inexplicably win. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Just you get mad at me when I do stuff like that. There's no reason the Bengals should lose this game, and that's why I think they'll lose this game. You have like so I, got, a, I got Steelers. You have an underlying dislike of the Bengals. I feel. I feel like there's some sort dis- of. Disdain. I have a dislike of Bengals. Like, what am I supposed to believe in Marvin Lewis in year 16? Are you kidding me? I mean, sometimes it takes that long. Like 16 years. Sometimes of it. it takes that long. <laughs> what? It takes. It, no like, one gets that opportunity. Have you met a 16 year old kid? Sometimes they're just about to start maturing. That's the way it works, head coaching wise too. We just we've never had someone last this long. That's the way it is. Oh. God. Uh, I'm taking the Bengals because, unlike you, I'm not insane. And I think the Bengals really? have... <laughs> really? That's, what, that's, the, that's the line? When you just went, oh, they're the better team, they're playing better, but they're going to lose. Well, like, what am I supposed to respond to that? Hey, the Dolphins were supposedly the better team. They lost to the Patriots. Uh, I'm taking the Bengals, but I think the interesting thing here in the Bengals' offense is that they're looking at bringing Clive Walford, who has bounced around the league a little bit, but I... Am I like him. He's He's solid, right? You don't know who he is. Tight end. Damn it. Uh, wow, <laughs> Raiders, motherfucker. You only like him just because you wanted to hate him when he's in the Raiders. That's probably true. <laughs> now that he's gone, I'm happy. He's um, he's similar to Eifert in the sense that he's a tall, rangy athlete who can work the seams. And I think that might be a nice fit. Eifert obviously had that awful injury last week. And I think he might they might kind of simplify his role there, which might help him a lot. I know he's bounced around, gone to a few different teams. But it's once you get settled, once you get put in the right offense, sometimes it just takes guys a little long. Sometimes it takes you 16 years like Marvin Lewis to figure it all out. Not necessarily as a player, because then you're probably going to be retired. But Walford is in, I think, his third or fourth year. He is still relatively young. But offensively, I, I kind of love watching this offense play right now. Um, the offensive coordinator there is Bill Lazor, who was Chip Kelly's quarterbacks coach when he was with the Eagles so he comes from that from that uh oh what sorry was it? he was in yeah he was Chip Kelly's quarterbacks coach with the Eagles then went to Miami was the offensive coordinator for uh I think it was one year probably two years maybe and they specialized in getting the ball out they play up tempo they spread spread the field and it's worked really well for Dalton it's similar to what he did in college and they have so much skill positions there that the talent is just going to overwhelm that Steelers defense Steelers uh, let's go based on absolutely nothing based on zero evidence zero i mean to be fair we zero had a, reason i had a lot of evidence last week and it all went to crap los angeles chargers are at the cleveland browns the uh, chargers are half point favorite on the road these browns uh, optimism is a little bit much for me let's take philip rivers because i mean rivers they might be better. the best team in football they might be who knows no one knows that's the thing I got the Chargers. You already—that's your selling point for this podcast. No one knows. That's it. No one knows. 
Oh, I'm, doing this be- new, I'm doing this new thing. I announced this on Twitter. So I'm doing this new thing when someone's like debating something with me. With me I just go, I don't know about that. And then I start talking about a Netflix show I'm watching. <laughs> I'm surprised that's not something you were already doing. And that is not true. I've watched you fight people all day today on Twitter. Don't get out of here saying you're doing that. Um, hey, these dumbasses want to come at me. The Browns, defense, the Browns defense does look phenomenal so far. So Denzel Ward, again, yeah, had, had an incredible pick against He's Blackwell. He's good. He's so good. But funnily enough, like Denzel Ward was not a popular pick during draft time. We, yeah. Because everyone wanted um, was it Bradley Chubb, who ev- eventually went to the Broncos. Cause, yeah. But that was largely just, you want the pass rusher rather than the cornerback. And the other thing is, smaller cornerbacks have had issues over recent years, and Denzel Ward is a smaller cornerback. It's something... Uh, I talked about with Bob Sturm when he was on talking about the Cowboys before the season. He talked about the draft a little bit. Smaller cornerbacks tend to get banged up and stuff, or they tend to just struggle at the the physicality of the catch point. And he's been so good so far. He he's honestly, I'm not I'm not 100 sure who he reminds me of so far. But when Leon Hall was with the Bengals, he had this ability to move in such a way from in, inside or outside that. He kind of just blend his body a little bit and just kind of latch on to receivers, and he has that ability that is you can't really teach that. It's a, it's a level of fluidity, it's a level of body control, it's a level of foot placement that is natural. Not something a coach is going to come in and say, "Hey, do this, do this, do this, do this," and then you'll be able to do all these different things. So they've got a guy there who looks legitimately special. Add that to Miles Garrett. Add that to Agunyabi, or whoever you can't say his name. Add it to Schobert and everyone and, and the other pieces you've got there. And that defense is like. We expected it to be this defense that was going to emerge over the course of this season. It's going to be like a top 12, top 13, top 14 defense. Right now, it's looking like one of the just flat-out best defenses in the league. Here's the thing I don't like about this situation is I just looked up how the Cleveland Browns got their name, and it's just named after someone with the last name Brown. Opposed to what? Named after the color, which would have been fantastic? Or a dog or something. I don't know why they have the dog. dog. Like they, so you just like the Browns, like if they have been owned by like a dog. John or if they had a general manager, John Peter Schmidt, they'd be the Cleveland Peter Schmitz. Like what a dumbass name. Opposed to that's the dumb. Cleveland Browns, which is smart. No, I'm saying that's the same logic. So what, what were you hoping for? You were hoping for like a, an airbud situation so, where it was just a Brown. I was hoping for some kind of story other than Paul Brown was their first coach and general manager. Wait, what were they called when he was there? What were they called when he was the owner and general manager? If he was the actual coach. All right, so here's what I got. It's from mentalfloss.com. There's some debate about whether Cleveland's professional football franchise was named after its first coach and general manager, Paul Brown, or after boxer Joe Lewis, who's nicknamed the Brown Bomber. Thank God God he had a nickname. It wasn't just after that Brown guy. (laughs) Team owner Mickey McBride conducted a fan contest in 1945, and the most popular submission was was Browns. According to one version of the story, Paul Brown vetoed the nickname and chose Panthers instead, but a local business informed the team that he owned the rights to the name the Cleveland Panthers. How do you Brown ultimately agreed to use of his name and Brown stuck. How do you conduct a fan contest back then? Like writing into newspapers it's, and stuff? It's literally gotta be just I went down to the corner and asked four people. That's good. It's gotta car, be what it is. It's in the car park. Whoever was just pulling up and pulling away. Just hey what's yeah, I, I don't even think I don't even think Twitter had polls back then. They didn't have that feature. Did they have cars back then? Car parks wouldn't have existed. In 1945? How many people had a car in 1945? I mean, enough that it was an industry. Only rich people did. There were rich people back in 1945. Yeah, not many of them. It got dark where you are. Yeah, that's how time works. 
Can someone explain the, the world? <laughs> Who did you Zach? pick? Who did you pick? Chargers or Browns? I picked Chargers. Okay, same. Indianapolis Colts, the one and four Indianapolis Colts at the New York Football Jets. Jets are two and a half point favorites. Sam Darnold maybe turning things around. Kian, that's how I teed you up there. Uh, sorry, what? I teed you up. You teed me up for what? For Sam Darnold talk. Well, I'm not going to talk about Sam Darnold. So that wasn't all right. Don't. That was good. <laughs> I think the Jets' success last week was more about their ability to run the ball. The Broncos not being able to match that physicality and the way they ran the ball. The Broncos in general have. Uh, a defense that's quick and a little bit smaller rather than big guys who are going to take you on up front and and uh, kind of withstand your trying to run right over them. The This is a, an interesting game to me because I feel like the Colts are going to be desperate. I feel like Andrew Luck has played pretty well, no matter what you're going to call him and talk about his shoulder being made out of bloody fossils or something or whatever it is. Uh, I think the Colts are no, going to be... His shoulder's made out of pudding. Everybody knows this. Pudding? We've moved on to pudding? Pudding. It started yeah. off with pulleys and harnesses with little people inside it. No, no it's, just... it's gotten worse, apparently. Paper mache next week. Or just it's just going to be empty. There's going to be nothing What there. do you think stronger? Do you think paper mache or pudding is stronger? I would imagine paper I'd say paper mache is stronger than pudding. Yeah, yeah that's pudding. going to have a good game this week, so it's going to go back up. God. To be... <laughs> Andrew Luck's shoulder is what you felt like on Sunday, I, I'm guessing. I, <laughs> I I haven't even wait. When, when do we get to this team? Just hold it. Don't be don't be trying to be teasers right. mid pod. Anyway, I'm taking the Colts. Uh, I got the Colts too. I don't I don't know why. Because they're better than I I think they're one of the worst teams in football. And even though they're one in four, that they, they've played a lot better than one of the worst teams in football has. I think they're one of the worst teams in football, but even though they're one and four, they're playing a lot better than one of the worst teams in football. Yeah, so I think they're one of the worst teams, but they're exceeding my expectations you remember, for them being one of the worst Do you remember at the start of this podcast where we said this is going to be the worst podcast ever done in the history of time? Last what? week, you said a team will either go undefeated or somebody will beat them. Excuse me, Trent Dilfer got, ESPN, got on ESPN doing that, so don't you dare disrespect right. me and my logic. All right. Uh, yeah, I got the Colts. I don't feel good about it. Uh, oh, here's a real shit factory. Seattle Seahawks <laughs> at the Oakland Raiders. Seahawks are two and a half point favorites. Who cares? Next. I'll take the Seahawks. I don't care. I don't want to talk about either of these teams. Yep. All right. We're good. Arizona Cardinals at the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings are ten and a half point favorites. Ooh. Yeah. I think they kind of figured it out. I mean, they week. should be. They should be. But it's Vikings team. Not, not very good. Do you want to get your Josh Rosen rent out of the way now? Oh, I didn't even see how he did. <laughs> Does it doesn't matter if he played well you wouldn't care um, oh you're just gonna add some fucking ghost yards to his total anyway so yeah it does matter ghost yards i should actually call him change it to ghost yards you should better. you should call him ghost yards let's see what he did uh i know tj bethard had a great game did 349 he? yards 349 yards two touchdowns and maybe two interceptions four sacks but oh my god are you kidding me josh rosen 10 of 25 170 yards the other One funny part is no uh, interceptions. The other funny QBR part is thirty-three. I'm pretty sure his first throw went for like seventy-five yards too. Oh my god! <laughs> anyway, the Vikings are going to probably feast on a rookie quarterback on the road, and they figured themselves out a little bit last week. They stopped blowing assignments. They got their they got their matchups right. Anthony Barr, I noticed a couple of times he blitzed in passing situations, which is very, very good for him because he's been picked on the last couple of weeks in coverage. Which isn't surprising really because Anthony Barr is like two hundred and sixty pounds and six foot five or something like that. He shouldn't be running around in space even if he even if you think he's capable of doing it. What's interesting is they brought in Georgia Loca 
before the start of the season and he hasn't featured all that much as far as I can tell the idea with bringing in a local was that you would be able to move him into the box and move Bardone onto the defensive line to be a pass rusher more often and I don't know maybe it's Zimmer trying to get him more time to, so he's fully ready to go once once he actually gets onto the field but to this point he hasn't really been a factor and I would like to see that happen maybe I don't, I don't know what's going on with the local something to watch over the coming weeks but either way they should be able to beat Josh Rosen and the Cardinals pretty comfortably again again a couple of weeks ago we were here with a minus 16.5 against Josh Allen so who knows um I just got even more infuriated by the Cardinals nickname <laughs> why are you getting so mad at nicknames it's a so I it's a dumb mascot a Cardinal they try to make a Cardinal look angry a Cardinal's oh, this, like this, this big do you want them to so do this last thing. week here's the thing no I just read it all right this franchise began play in Chicago in 1898 before moving to St. Louis in 1960 and Arizona in 1988. Team owner Chris O'Brien purchased and used uh, faded maroon jerseys from the University of Chicago in 1901 and dubbed the color of his squad's new outfits Cardinal Red. A nickname was born. Wait, faded maroon is Cardinal Red. What does that work? According, according to team owner Chris O'Brien in 1901. So here's the dumb thing. It's not even named after a damn bird. It's named after a color. <laughs> so the Browns are named after a person and not a color. And the Cardinals are what named after a color and not a bird. What is happening 50 to 100 years ago? <laughs> we should really go back and check that out. What is happening? You don't even name it after the, the bird. You name it after a color. This is so stupid. I'm even angry at the Cardinals nickname now. Did you know that the uh, Dallas Cowboys were named after a little boy who used to milk cows? Are you? Is, hold on. I got the Dallas Cowboys right here. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. The Cowboys who began play in the NFL in 1960 were originally going to be nicknamed the Steers. The team's general manager, Texas E. Strom, there's no way his first name was Texas. That's Jerry Jones under a different name. Decided that having a castrated bovine as a mascot might subject subject the team to ridicule, so he decided to go with Rangers instead. But fearing that people would confuse the football team with the local minor league baseball team nicknamed the Rangers, Strom finally changed the nickname to Cowboys shortly before the season began. Yeah, so a little boy milking Now goes. they just have a castrated coach. Jesus. No, that was too far. That was too far. All right, I apologize. Uh, let's go. I've got the Vikings, by the way, against the, against the Cardinal Reds. Uh, the Carolina Panthers are at the Washington Redskins. Redskins are one-and-a-half-point favorites at home. Um, Redskins look bad right now. Have you ever seen the Carolina Panthers fight song? Please tell me you've seen this. No, I haven't seen it. Oh, them. please go, go, right, go to YouTube. Literally, right now you're going to do this, and you're going to type in right. uh, Carolina Panthers song. And type in roar afterwards. Carolina Panthers song. Uh, anyway, I'm going to talk about this game for a little bit while you're Googling. Uh, Washington on Monday night were pretty much picked apart by Drew Brees. Obviously, Josh Norman had a rough game. But the bigger story to that was the offensive side where Alex Smith is just went full Alex Smith and was like missing guys who were, wa- who were wide open downfield. He didn't throw the ball. Too much scrambling, too much checking down to his running back, too much rushing his decision-making in the pocket. This is exactly why I didn't want Alex Smith to be a Washington quarterback because in that Jay Gruden offense, he's asked to do too much mentally and it's just not going to work. This, again, it kind of feels like the Giants earlier where this team is just going to float on by for the rest of the year, probably pick off a couple of big teams every so often and do nothing themselves. So the NFC East right now with... 
like the Eagles and the Cowboys are obviously not great teams, but they're significantly better than Washington and the Giants right now, I think. With that said, I'm taking the Panthers. I, I got the Panthers. I don't have any faith in the. There's the a guy standing on his lawn. Guy standing on, oh, dominate the foe? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Carolina Panthers with sharp teeth and claws. We growl to win this game. We call pro football. Our offense and defense so intense. Your team will be the losers if you got a lick of sense. You dig the NFL, my lyrics and my rhymes. You eat up what I'm saying, spit and fly, hip hop lines. Fast, Why is this the angle he chose? <laughs> That's your problem with this. Is it because he doesn't have any fe- any friends to hold the camera? I mean, is that really a question you need to ask? Look at what he's doing right now. Is he a mullet? It looks like a row. I'm pretty sure it was for the uh, Panthers Broncos Super Bowl. Just ahead of us. Okay, now we're just literally staring at each other on a screen on a pod. Let's move I'm on. Staring at, I'm staring at this man. Jay, we're going to have to edit this in. Pl- you just play this into the, into the void. TD or a field goal. That definitely needs you to say oh, this. You know what I like? You know what I like? I like it when he when he sort of starts to forget the next line and he, he like pauses a little bit and then remembers it and goes into it. Oh my god, that's terrible. Um, terrible? Best thing on the internet. Alright, Los Angeles Rams at the Denver Broncos. The Rams are six and a half point favorites. Um... I think this is a closer game than six and a half points. Damn it. I, I think the Rams win, but I, I, I'll, I'll take the points from Denver. I am doing the same, but I don't like agreeing with you. I'm expecting it to be major Rams homerism at this point. Funnily enough, I'm not uh, a Rams fan. I just, you know, without Tlaib, then Marcus Peters looks like Rams shit. Homer. And, yeah. I'm, I'm not a Rams homer. Yeah, you are. Um, accept it. I'm, I'm, the, I have a hot take for this, and it's going to ruin one of my later picks. Oh, I, boy. I, I don't think anyone gets out of this weekend undefeated. Whoa! We have two teams left. Rams, wow. Chiefs. I think they both lose this week. Oh, I thought you meant the Dolphins. Um, They're only undefeated in my heart. The uh, Denver Broncos, can I tell you, can I read a frustrating thing about the Denver Broncos nickname? <laughs> that's just this, that's what this podcast is this week. This Denver is what happens when a, I don't watch enough of the games. Denver was a charter member of the AFL in 1960, and Broncos, which was submitted along with a 25-word essay by Ward M. Vining, was the winning entry among 162 fans who responded in the Name the Team contest. 25 words is not an essay. 25 words is not an essay. It's barely a compound sentence. Was it written you by a four-year-old 20- in crayon? You can't call a 25-word essay an essay. But what is it? A paragraph? It's, it's just a note. No. It's a note in a twenty-five word note. They picked the Broncos. I bet it was real stupid too. It's a tweet. Like how? Yeah, exactly. It's a tweet. <laughs> so I mean, how, look, I don't know a lot about Colorado and Denver. You know how smart is that education? By the end of this podcast, you're going to know a lot about NFL nicknames, which is like the most useless trivia anyone has ever had in their life. I don't know, man. I got a lot of useless trivia in my head that ends up being pretty, pretty valuable when you do trivia. I mean, what? You think there's going to be a question on a trivia night? Which team is actually named after a color? And everyone's going to say the Browns, and you're going to say, say, no, 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 no. It's the Cardinal Red. Cardinal Red. Uh, the Rams' offense is amazing. Still, 
Like, Rams really, offense really is good. amazing, but the one thing that the Broncos have that other teams they've gone against this year haven't really had, well, maybe the Vikings won a short week and McVay's game plan was perfect against the Vikings, yeah. is that individual pass rusher in Von Miller like, on the right side of the offensive line. Obviously, everyone knows Andrew Whitworth on the left side. The right side has Havenstein, it has Jamon Brown, it has good players, but... Von yeah. Miller is going to be able to get some pressure. Like, obviously, maybe they're going to uh, scheme it an awful lot. They'll throw it, Higby over there and block and all that yeah, shit. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's a little bit more difficult, especially on the road against a, a good team that has an ability to create a bit of an atmosphere, create a little bit of noise. Yeah. Like, it's easy enough to do against the Titans in Tennessee. You're not going to be intimidated there. But when you get Bronco, when you get uh, Von Miller, you get, like, the rookie Bradley Chubb they've got. You get Derek Wolf on the inside, who's a pretty good player too. And then you have guys on the back end who are actually capable of covering these receivers. Like uh, Bradley Robry is going to be comfortable against Brandon Cooks. I'm assuming Brandon Cooks plays. And Chris Harris is going to be comfortable against Robert Woods. So unless they get schemed open with hard play picks again like they did against the Vikings, I don't anticipate this being a really easy game for the Rams. That's not to say they can't win it. They're 5-0, the Broncos are 2-3, and three, and Case Keenum likes to throw the ball to defenders. So actually, I was thinking about this today. I'm not sure how long Case Keenum's got left as a starter because it's getting ugly in Denver pretty quickly and they've got that Chad Kelly guy there and he's a big tall white guy so John Elway likes those big tall white guys he, like, he likes the he likes the big whites um, yeah I like I think this ends up being a game where it's very close throughout and then Case Keenum throws throws downfield John Johnson picks it off for the game clinching uh, interception like are, I think that's, that's going what happens visualizing this that's what, that's what it sounds like Is he a I go to bed, I go to bed visualizing much different stuff uh, all right, let's go, go to the, let's go to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Puns and Nicolas they're, Cage movies. They're at the Dallas Cowboys. Jaguars are a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. I'm just looking at my screen. For some reason, I've picked the Cowboys, and I have no idea why, so I'm changing that to the Jaguars. I think my reasoning there is Blake Bortles likes to collapse on himself on the road, and this game is on the road. Uh, but then the Cowboys are the Cowboys, so this is like the dumbest decision ever. Jason Garrett... Like, ugh, how do you not go for this? You have one yard to gain. I'm not one of these people who says you always have to go for it and fourth down. But when you have one yard to gain, you've got that offensive line, you've got that running back, you've got that quarterback. It's easy. This should not be something. Even even Alan Hearns, who hasn't been a good receiver for them this year, who is new in town, who was only signed in the offseason, who isn't a guy who can just go anywhere and get another job again afterwards, he came out criticizing the play calling and the quarter, and the coach this week. He's obviously not been there long enough to be brainwashed into shutting up and never saying a bad word about anything related to Jerry. But right. you can't have a guy who's just arrived already talking about how the play calling is terrible. That's how bad the play calling is. And that's why this team is depressing me. Jaguars were named another fan contest named the Jaguars in 91. Um, other names in, that were considered were the Jaguar or the Jacksonville Sharks and the Jacksonville Stingrays. And while Jaguars are not native to Jacksonville, the oldest living Jaguar in North America is housed, or was housed, in the Zoo. I feel like this could, be, this could be our, our thing from now on. I just talk about the game and you come in with random trivia points about nothing. Baltimore Ravens at the Tennessee Titans. The Ravens are two and a half point favorites on the road. Uh, as Levitard and Stu Gotts have joked, this game will be 10-9 at some point in the fourth quarter. I find this Ravens team to maybe be the most frustrating team in the league right now because yeah. they turn up some days and they look really good. They turn up other days and they look like Joe Flacco just personified the whole team. So I just don't really know what to think. And when I don't really know what to think, I, play, I take the points. And like I talked about earlier, 
The Titans. But here, let's talk about this. I, I don't think that's interesting. Let's talk about this. Uh, what's wrong with Marcus Mariota? What do you mean what's wrong with him? He hasn't been very good. He had one big week, but he hasn't been very good. So he's what's been, wrong with him? He's been fine, but that's kind of something we're going to just touch on. Like, his interception this week wasn't his fault. It was the wide receiver didn't break his road off early enough. He has a couple of drops. The problem there is the quality of the receiving options. So Tajay Sharp is their second receiver right now. Corey Davis is really good. Losing to Laney Walker hurt an awful lot. But Tajay Sharp, as their second receiver, he was supposed to be their fourth or their fifth option. But Taewon Taylor hasn't been good enough, so he's moved ahead of him. Taewon Taylor's played in the slot a little bit, had an early fumble that really hurt him. He's just not, he's not rounded enough at this point to be in the offense all the time. Then Richard Matthews asked for his release. I don't get that. They weren't using him that much, but he was coming back from injury. It's a new scheme. I thought that was just a matter of giving him a few weeks to get him in the offense. So now you've got that Nick Nick Williams gets cut because he, he drops the ball and he causes that interception. So now you've just got uh, a void of talents there right now. You, you've got... Uh, they, they picked up Roy Lewis to their practice squad Roy Lewis from the Giants who honestly he could probably play for them a little bit so I wouldn't be surprised to see him move from the practice squad to the active roster it's just really frustrating because they've got Corey Davis there who looks like he's becoming what everyone expected him to be a good starting receiver Tasha Sharp is fine he, he's okay he's going to do what he's going to do he's just very limited after the catch he's very limited in his route running he's got a good catch radius and he's consistent outside of that he's not a big athlete he's not going to really do anything to stretch the field or intimidate defenses for you this whole setup is a little bit of a mess right now but I think they'll be fine moving forward and I'm going to take them against this Ravens team because I don't trust this Ravens team Titans are at home and they get 2.5 points so they're more positive yeah I'm going to I'm gonna take the the Titans just because I don't like I don't like this Ravens team right now. Um, Joe Flacco had one of his worst games of his career last year in Tennessee as well, where he was just staring down Kevin Byard over and over again, throwing the ball straight to him. So this Kevin Byard might have another couple of interceptions, I think. Okay, how about this one? Whoa, Sunday night, Kansas City Chiefs. Haven't they changed the song? You got the wrong song. I don't know. I'm not gonna learn that. It's always woe Sunday night for me. Kansas City Chiefs at the New England Patriots. Oh, I forgot to tell you something about the Titans. Uh, so, owner Bud Adams, after relocating to Tennessee from Houston in 1995, another statewide contest to rename the team. Titans was chosen over nicknames such as Tornadoes, Copperheads, South Stars, oof, and Wranglers. Adams told reporters, we wanted a new nickname to reflect strength, leadership, and other Heroic qualities. Copperhead sounds like a slur against gingers. Yeah, and South Stars just sounds like some kind of confederacy thing. <laughs> that can't be good. Um, all right. Uh, Chiefs are at the Patriots. Patriots are three and a half point favorites at home. Yeah, which is probably a surprise. Like I think the way their seasons have gone, you would expect the Chiefs to like maybe not be favored, but like actually, yeah, to be honest, you'd expect them to be favored. I would have expected the Chiefs to go into this game as a four or five point favorite just based on what they've done this year. My guess here is the idea of Patrick Mahomes going up against Bill Belichick. Okay, Mahomes has been phenomenal so far. He's done pretty much everything you could have asked him to do. But he's a young quarterback and Bill Belichick is one of the best game planners in football and probably the best game planner in football. So if you have Mahomes going against Belichick, you can understand. And it's at home. It's on prime time. You can understand why they're leaning towards the Patriots. I'm actually... I, I, again, like you kind of did earlier, and I derided you for it, but I'm allowed to do it because I'm me. Uh, the I think the, I'm going to take the Patriots, even though football wise, I think it's smarter to take the Chiefs. I'm taking the minus three and a half. Let's move on. Shut up. You're not going to talk. I haven't even made my pick yet. Your pick doesn't matter. 
74 fans suggested Patriots in the Name the Team contest that was conducted by the management group of Boston's original AFL franchise in 1960. Pat Patriot, the cartoon of the Minuteman, preparing to snap a football drawn by the Boston Globe's Phil Bissell, was chosen as the team's logo soon after. Uh, okay. They used to be the Boston Patriots. Isn't it really fantastic that you get a, in your mascot, is just, or your, your badge is just a football thing? It's like if a newspaper had a picture of a newspaper in the front of it. It's a really good idea. Yeah, I like that. Um, I'm taking. Oof, I'm gonna take the Chiefs. I think they remain undefeated. Given the this Chiefs team, even on the road in a tough place like New England, you give them points. I'll take the points. Last game, San Francisco 49ers. Oof, at the Green Bay Packers. Packers a nine and a half point favorites. Get out of here. This is gonna be a terrible game. Yeah, it is. It's Monday night. That's probably not even worth watching. Um, the only interesting thing from this week, really, like last week, the okay, so we probably have to talk about this Lions game. So I picked up this Lions game on my way home last week, hadn't watched a bit of it, and just kind of looked at the box score and looked at how everything had gone on, and I couldn't figure out how the Packers had lost until I got to Mason Crosby's line, where he's missed three field goals, missed an extra point, and... Pretty much sabotaged the whole offense. But outside of that, the Lions also benefited from a turnover on a punt that set them up at the one-yard line, led to a touchdown. Then there was another fumble that set the offense up on the Green Bay 29. So this was one of these games where a lot of weird things just happened. And the so my takeaway from it was less about, hey, the Lions won, and more about, hey, Aaron Rodgers looks pretty healthy, looks pretty good. He's comfortable, and maybe the rest of the offense needs to get better. But overall, he looks fine. The kind of interesting thing is he came out after the game and a little bit of criticism towards the coaching and the play calling. Not something he's done throughout his career, but it's something everyone has wanted him to do because their play calling is absolutely atrocious. I don't think I've talked about this about Mike McCarthy on this podcast, so let's just kind of go into it a little bit of detail. So you love Sean McVay as a coach. You love Sean McVay because he moves everything at all times. He stresses the defense sideways. He sets up vertical shots with motion. He has a lot of play action. He has a lot of different designs of road combinations that work together. Mike McCarthy, Mike McCarthy's focus is I'm going to have five guys, six guys block for my quarterback and I'm going to have four receivers and a tight end or three receivers, a tight end, running back, whatever it is. And they're all going to run routes. But not a single one of those routes is going to relate to any of the other routes on the field. So you'll have wide left, you'll have a receiver running straight down the sideline. Inside of him, you'll have a receiver running an eight-yard curl route. Uh, on, the next, on the other side of the field, you've got your tight end running down a seam, and you've got another curl route on the other side of the field. Those are just four routes. They don't do anything to pull the defense apart. None of them cross each other, which is a big aspect of playing football, a big aspect of creating easier throws for the quarterback. The idea for McCarthy has always been, I'm not even sure it's an idea, it's probably giving him too much credit to say it's an idea. You just let Rodgers drop back and he's going to find one of these guys eventually, he's going to extend the play, he's going to make it work. There is nothing about that offense where they go, hey, if we do this, it'll help Rodgers, it'll, it'll help these receivers get open, it'll help us create easy yards, it'll help us create yards after the catch opportunities on screens and stuff like that. The only screens they really throw, they have some running back screens, but the only screens they really throw are quick bubble screens where it's Rodgers looking at the alignment of the defense, he sees two immediate defenders to his right, he's got a tight end and two receivers, so he knows he's got three on two, so he has a quick check, probably has a one-word audible or whatever it is, he throws the ball to his tight end behind his two blocking receivers. Those are the only, That's like the level of creativity that that Packers offense has, and it comes from the quarterback. So they're going to beat the 49ers and probably destroy the 49ers because it's Aaron Rodgers at home, and the 49ers don't have their starting quarterback. So it's an easy pick in that sense. But again, this Packers season just... 
it feels forever like they're just this anchor around Rodgers' neck and they're holding him down. It's been the same this year. They already got rid of Ted Thompson, the GM. They've made changes there and there's been a little bit of signs that things are changing in terms of the trade activity that it's supposed to be getting involved in, the picks they made in the draft. So maybe after this year, maybe if Rodgers kind of pushes it a little bit more, they can move him on from McCarthy and give him a legitimate chance at doing something special again before the end of his career. Team founder Earl Curly Lambeau's employer was the Indian Packing Company, sponsored Green Bay's football team, and provided equipment and access to the field. The Indian Packing Company became the Acme Packing Company and later folded, but the nickname stuck. Wait, Acme, like, as in Rotor? Like Looney Tunes, right, yeah. That came from something real? Uh, apparently. I can't imagine that's the best advertisement for you, all these things dysfunctioning on Wiley Coyote. That's probably why they folded. I mean, that's why, that's why they're folding in a lot of these games. Who was it recently was talking about if Wiley Coyote or Roadrunner were male or female, if anyone knew? Because otherwise, cause if you, when, you, when you look at it in one way, if uh, Wiley Coyote is a man, just... It's real <laughs> harassing. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot. It's a lot of harassment, as they say. You probably shouldn't talk about it. Let's move on. Yeah, that's it. That's a, oh, we can do uh, top five, middle five, bottom five. Oh, I remember we'll this five, again. Bottom five, middle five, top five. This is what we're gonna do. So let me get to my get to my little sheet, my little sheet here. So my bottom five, te- or you no, can go first. We'll do want. bottom. We'll do very bottom. Very bottom team for me is the Oakland Raiders. Um, and my reason, my reasoning for my my big reasoning for that uh, is the defense looks terrible again, again. But Derek Carr is bottoming out properly, so it's time for us to look at moving on from Derek Carr at some point, Raiders. I would say the Cardinals are my worst team. Yeah, but you hate Josh Rosen. You're a hater. Well, they have no quarterback. They have a dumb name that's named after a color. And the, the only reason they the won Raiders. last week is because is C.J. Beathard was the quarterback. Where like, the Raiders so. get their name from? The Ra- well, uh, Ken, I'm glad you're asking these questions because it's stuff I can look up. <laughs> so here we go. Oh, boy, this is a long one. Strap in. Chet Soda, Oakland's first general manager, sponsored Chet a name. Soda. Name the team contest in 1960. Chet Helen Soda a. Davis, like he belongs in a boy band. Oakland policewoman submitted the winning entry, Senors, and was rewarded with a trip to the Bahamas. The nickname, an allusion to the old Spanish settlers of Northern California, was ridiculed in the weeks that followed, and fans also claimed the contest was fixed. Scotty Sterling, a sports writer for the Oakland Tribune, who would later become the team's general manager, provided another reason to abandon the nickname. That's no good, Sterling said. We don't have the accent mark for the N in our headline type. Because Senores has a little tilde on top. Responding to the backlash, Soda, remember that's Chet Soda, and the team's other investors decided to change the team's nickname to Raiders, which was a finalist in the contest along with Lakers. The Raiders have been back and forth between Oakland and Los Angeles, and the franchise will relocate to Las Vegas in 2020. So Chet Soda had a lot of controversy bubbling to the top. Jesus. Uh, San Francisco 49ers are the second worst team in football. Um, I'll go Raiders second worst. And then 49ers third worst. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Cardinals. So we have the same bottom three. So just yeah, you just order. have them in the wrong order. Uh, let's go middle three. Who are your middle three teams? Uh, bottom we'll start of with two. 17. Please start with 17. Okay. Yeah, okay. Thanks, Mom. Uh, the bottom of the middle tree, I think that's number 18, is the Philadelphia Eagles. 
I'm going to go Miami Dolphins. Hater. Uh, Hater. They're minus, they're minus 18 on the season. Big bad Dolphins, minus 18. How the Dolphins get there? I'm going to go to Denver Broncos at 16. Um, another name the team contest. That's you. You were expecting the NFL to have some creativity. Oh my and some, God! In, More in, than six hundred fans suggested Dolphins out of twenty thousand uh, entries. Marjorie Swanson was declared the winner after correct, correctly predicting a tie in the nineteen sixty five college football game between Miami and Notre Dame as part of the follow up contest. Swanson, who won a lifetime season pass to Dolphins games, told reporters oh, she consulted the, she consulted a magic eight ball before predicting the score of the game. Miami owner Joe Robbie was fond of the winning nickname because, as he put it, the dolphin is one of the fastest and smartest creatures in the sea. Uh, so uh, who's my 16th team? I'll go with the Baltimore Ravens. They are exactly average. I've got a little bit of a controversial one for my four teams. Oh, boy. What is it? The Rams? <laughs> no, the Rams, the, Rams. the Rams aren't even the top 20. Uh, I'm going to go with the Minnesota Vikings, a team who should be a lot better than they are. But at this point, they've, like, look, they've recovered this week, but they're still 2-2-1. Two, two they still have not impressed overall. They still have too many big issues. I think it's very this could very easily be a top tier 4-5 team by the end of the season. But right now, to this point in the year, they've been above average or average to above average. So I like there are, there are a bunch of group of teams there who you could talk about. You could talk about the Steelers. You could talk about. Uh, I guess I guess you could put the uh, the Chargers. I got the charge. I got the Chargers. My yeah, that's well, that's so, what I was yeah. looking at. So Steelers, Chargers, Vikings. I think the Panthers are probably a little bit above that. And then you, I guess the Titans, the teams like that. So page honestly, actually, here's what interesting. One. Are the Patriots closer to? The top three or the middle three? I think they're closest, I'll go, closer I'll go, to the middle I'll go three. top. I'll go top three. Okay. Yeah. I think they're like eight, ninth, tenth. I don't know about that. You've been watching Big Mouth? I have not. I don't know what that okay. is. Great show. Oh, my God. you got to watch Big Mouth. It's on Netflix. Great show. Okay. What's it like? Funniest. funniest it's a, so, it's a cartoon about from like Nick Kroll and John Mulaney and like amazing comedians, amazing writing staff. And it's about uh, kids going through puberty. It's, it's hilarious. It's the funniest cartoon of all time. Hey, come on. That's a strong, like, that's because that's a really, uh, watch it and watch it and tell me I'm wrong. I'm going to go ahead and guess Nick Kroll is not producing the funniest comedy of all time. Hey man, watch it and tell me I'm wrong. Uh, so, oh, top three. Who's our top three teams? Uh, I'm still stuck on my number three, so you need to go first here. All right, I'm going to go, uh, who I thought would be up there. I'm going to go New Orleans Saints. They've, they've rebounded enough that I'll, I'll believe in them. Uh, they are one of the teams I'm thinking about for my number three, but I think I have to go to Cincinnati Bengals just based on their performances to this point. And you know, it's been pretty solid. It's something I need to write about this week at some point or next week. He's been, like, he's still Andy Dalton. He's still not going to do anything spectacular for you. But he's been more consistent than he's been in previous years. So I like that Bengals team. I think the, the overall talent they have is enough to be a real contender. Like, they probably got a little bit lucky this week against the Dolphins. But outside of that, their overall talent, overall performance, they've been really, really good this year. Uh, number two, Kansas City Chiefs. Number two is the Los Angeles Rams. Oh, not the Dolphins? Not the Dolphins? Am I going to put the Dolphins number two? I think the fastest, video is rocking up again. Fastest, smartest creature in the, sun, in the sea. 
How did the Rams get their nickname then? Great question. Glad you asked. Let me find that. Uh, and then number one of the Los Angeles Rams, the best team in football. And the They've been the Chiefs. best team in football. They, they remain the best team in football. Like, what are we doing here? Because the Chiefs are there. Have you not watched the Chiefs? I've watched the Chiefs. I've watched the Rams. Rams are better. We've had this argument already. We had it last week. We're going to keep having it every week. The Rams, who originated in Cleveland in 1936 and spent 46 through 94 in Los Angeles before moving to St. Louis, came back to L.A. in 2016. Team traces their nickname to the college ranks. Principal owner Homer Marshman and general manager Damon Buzz Wetzel chose the nickname because Wetzel's favorite football team had always been the Fordham Rams. Fordham, Vince Lombardi's alma mater, was a powerhouse at the time. Uh, Vince Lombardi was uh, the coach of the Green Bay Packers back in the day when they were winning Super Bowls, in case you didn't know. New York owner Tim Mara borrowed the Giants' nickname from John McGraw's National League Baseball team, a common practice by football teams during an era when baseball was the nation's preeminent team name or team sport. Uh, that's a lot longer. In 1933, Burt Bell and Lud Way purchased the bankrupt Frankfurt Yellow Jackets and the new owners renamed the team the Eagles in honor of the symbol of the National Recovery Act, which was part of Franklin Delano Roosevelt's New Deal. Uh, the 49ers, who began playing the All-American Football Conference in 1946, were named after the settlers who ventured to San Francisco during the gold rush of 1849. A panel of local sports writers and representatives from the NFL expansion team, including owner Hugh F. Culverhouse, chose Buccaneers. From an original list of more than 400 names in 1975, the nickname, which was a popular choice among fans in the Name the Team contest, another one of those dumbasses, was a nod to the pirates who raided Florida's coast during the 17th century. Yay for raiding and pillaging. The Baltimore Colts, a member of the All-American Football Conference from 1947 to 1950, were named in honor of the region's history of horse breeding. History of horse breeding. <laughs> Remain when a new franchise began playing in 1953 and after the team relocated to Indianapolis in 1984. So the Colts are named after horse sex. Which is the opposite of pudding. From a different from a different place. From a different place. Amazing. <laughs> oh god. Someone needs to do a 30 for 30 on all these nicknames. It's not a bad idea. And by someone I mean the people who do 30 for 30s. Right, exactly. <laughs>